Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, it's nice to be speaking to you, not at uh, midnight. Yeah, kind of nice, a bit of a change of pace for this week. Uh, This is our final day of the daily coverage of the Canada Cup from out there in Leduc, Alberta, and Scott's Looked like for a while that we would have a lackluster playoff round, and then John Epping and Kevin Cooey said that uh, we're not going to let that happen. Yeah, I said to you, it's either going to be a pretty, really good game or a really terrible game, and yeah. I'm I'm glad we got a pretty good one out of that last one because, oof, earlier in the day, little rough, little rough. Yeah. So actually, let's start there with the women's game and. Rachel Holman and Tracy Fleury went out there and, uh, you know, it, it was sort of misses early. Rachel Holman missed a shot for two in the first. Tracy Fleury missed a shot for two in the second. And then Tracy Fleury misses a couple draws in the third end, including on her last one, coming up short of the house on a freeze attempt and giving up four. And at that point, it kind of felt like the game was over. Yeah, and basically it was, right? I mean... There's no coming back from that against uh, against Rachel Holman. We saw Chelsea Carey last year came back from five to one down, but uh, I just didn't feel like uh, like Team Flurry had a chance. No, and it, it was interesting to that third end where Rachel Holman gets to four. It, it felt a lot like what happened in the game between Brendan Botcher and John Epping yesterday, where in the end where Botcher gave up the first four where John Epping had the hammer, it, it was a case where if Brandon Botcher throws a couple hits, he probably only ever gives up three. And I felt the same way a little bit about Tracy Fleury in that third end as well, that if she plays a little more defensively earlier in the end, tries to bail out, maybe she doesn't give up such a big number. But it, it got to the point where she had to play aggressively at the end because she didn't really have a choice. But earlier in the end, halfway through the end on Selena's Rocks even, Maybe there could have been a chance to bail a little sooner, minimize the damage. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. I think Tracy Fleury just she felt very into the draw game, and where it worked for her last night, uh, it, it really failed her today. Yeah, and that's her and, strength too. You know. Yeah, right. And the ice changes, and she she necessarily didn't pick the same rocks. I can't remember what she threw last night, but. You know, a little bit different here and there, and and that's the game. Yeah, so she was down certainly today versus what we've seen. The other thing that we noticed, Scott, watching the game, is that you know we we sort of go back and forth on whether or not the numbers matter. Joanne Courtney threw eighty-two percent today, but she was way better than that. Yeah, it really felt like she was making all the double peels. Uh, you want a double peel? You want a double peel? Hey, we're giving out double peels. Uh, she she was making the shots when it counted. Yeah, she was phenomenal making those double peels. And the second half of the game, she was probably the best player on the ice. And that might be sort of damning with faint praise in a game that was 7-2 to two at the time. But in the 10-end game in the five-rock rule, there is time to come back from a lead. But Joe and Courtney did not let that happen. She was really, really good. 
Really good, yeah. Yeah. Kept things clean and uh, kept Team Holman in control of the game. That's for sure. Yeah, so a solid performance all around for Rachel Holman and her team. They go to the convincing 9-4 to victory. And they earn the first spot in the Roar of the Rings in Saskatoon in 2021. Not much doubt that they would have been there anyway. But this is what happened in... 2015 as well they got the first berth winning the canada cup in 2015 they were able to set that 2016 17 schedule the way they wanted to so they'll be able to lean on that experience as they set their schedule next year be really interesting to see what's different on their schedule from this year to next year now that they have that yeah i can't imagine it'll be much like you say they there was not much doubt that this team was going to be there but uh sewing it up uh, yeah, maybe they'll be able to take it a bit easier on themselves. Now, now for Flurry, like we talked about last night, this would have been really, really, really big for her and their team. Yes. Uh, maybe, maybe side benefit to them is, is they get to go to the Continental Cup in beautiful London, Ontario. Yes, they do. Lovely facility there in London. We were there a couple of years ago for that event and that's a, I think that is a big deal for Tracy Fleury and her team just to be in that environment play some more games against the top teams more time on the arena ice all those little things and I think being on the same team as Rachel Holman and Chelsea Carey and the men's teams as well that will be there just being able to pick their brains for three days uh, they're going to be the least experienced team there so having the opportunity to spend time around those players in, a, in an environment that is very different from a normal bond spiel, they might be able to pick up some, some tips, some ideas about how to approach the game from that event. So, And not to mention, I mean, their sponsors are going to be thrilled that they're there too. Yeah, and, and they'll get to say, you know, we belong. We belong on this stage with these types of teams. And uh, they, they sort of proved it this week. Yeah, very good week for Tracy Fleury. I don't think I'm sure they're disappointed tonight, but I'm sure you know in a week or two they'll look back and and think about this as a very positive step in their process as a team. Yeah, if you told them at the beginning of the week, hey, you'll be in the final, I'm sure they would have taken that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because Scott, know. neither of us had her in the final. <laughs> no, I don't think many people did. Uh, when we talked about the field, I think. We thought of this team as one of those teams that, yeah, anything could happen, but it was unlikely that they'd make the playoffs, and uh, they proved us, and I'm sure a lot of other people are wrong. Yeah, so that was the appetizer of the two games and uh, a very thorough win for Rachel Holman. The entree was the men's game tonight, John Epping against Kevin Cooey, and John Epping comes out and gets a big 7-4 to win, his first Canada Cup championship. Yeah, this was an interesting game to watch, right? Uh, played a little bit of cooey ball there in the first couple ends, blanking them. Uh, Epping had an interesting decision to make whether to play in the third end, whether to play a draw and try to force cooey to one, uh, but also risk giving up three in the process, or play a hit, give him an easy shot for two, say, okay, take your two, we've forced you to two, yep. and then go on. Uh, they elected to go with the option of give him two, like a pretty easy two. Then 
came back the next end and got a miss out of Kevin Cooey and got a three spot right back. So a lot of confidence there going in uh, into that fifth end. Yeah, but what was interesting they, though, they, Scott, about the fourth end is that Kevin Cooey had the exact same decision to make that John yeah, Epping right. had in the third end. And Kevin Cooey opted for the more aggressive play, trying to force yeah. the single. And that's where John Epping gets the three. It was just, I thought it was a really interesting contrast in styles where John Epping, you know, third end, 10 end game, you know, just take, take our pill and let's be okay. We're only down two. And then Kevin Cooey with the, the much more aggressive play, trying to cut him down. You even heard Ben Hebert say after the shot, Ben Hebert was clearly frustrated. Uh, you know, just take your medicine. It's a three, whatever, right? Like, just a, an interesting right. contrast there. And you know, I wonder about the scoreboard management of that. I mean, it's nice if you force, sure, but if it's two-two in the fifth end and you have the hammer, that's not that's not terrible. No, it's not terrible at all. And and uh, yeah, you're right because Kui did elect to play the freeze and uh, ended up. Uh, backfiring on him so yeah tough uh tough decisions also the seventh end i thought was strange right yes where Kui had the chance to play a little tap back hit to try and get the blank yeah. and with it being the seventh end that's traditionally okay we'll blank the seventh try to get our deuce in eight ended up giving uh you know giving just enough room for epping to come down he froze one and then he ended up missing a missing a pick yeah so yeah tough tough giving up a steal there uh, as well because of the decisions to try and be a little more aggressive yeah and they said on the broadcast that kevin cooey tends to not care as much about the ends as some of the other teams which is true that some of the i've noticed certainly over the years that if he has a chance to score he'll score right odd number mm-hmm. and even number and whatever he doesn't care i mean that's partly because he's better than everyone else really right. and you know if he scores and gets a lead he can defend a one point lead he's that good so not having to lean as much on the ends i get that in the seventh end yeah he played really aggressively in that what was also interesting though was the ninth end where similar situation he has a chance maybe to throw some softer stuff Moves stones around. He throws a bullet on his last one, just barely rubs uh, the the mm-hmm. corner f- frozen stone in the top 12 foot and leaves a wide open hit for John Epping for the easy deuce. So after that ninth end, Sean, then then in the tenth end, it seemed like John Epping was really trying to give it back, you know, with uh, putting those two stones in and then the third stone. You know, you could pitch it to the boards. I know Russ was talking about the old school mentality of, you know, just chuck it away. Yeah. Uh, but those those rocks ended up not helping him in the end. What was your thought about that? Yeah, in a three-point game, you don't need anything, right? You, you really just, you don't. Uh, you know, if you play it out that you put your first three through, you make the next five, you win the game. Were you surprised they didn't try to tick at all? Even I know Kui was had the hammer, but he was putting up center guards, which was kind of weird, right? Yeah, I think no, I, I think because he stacked them, especially because he stacked them, right? That just yeah, just pitch them through in a three point game. They, they're not okay. the the only way you could lose the game is by having something weird happen with one of your stones, and those stones help them in their effort to tie the game. There's just 
there I don't see any benefit to keeping your stones in play at all. Yeah, one of the the top uh, you know th- things to think about is if I'm the other team, what do I want, right? Yeah. And so if you put yourselves in the shoes of Kevin Cooey at that time, he wants those rocks in play, yeah. right? He wants to be able to tap them, come around them, use them to his advantage. For sure. And uh, uh, it turns out it it almost worked, but you know three is a lot. So three three is a lot, but uh, but yeah. So John Eppie gets to win. A couple of the other things I noticed in this game, Scott. I think that uh, I noticed this last year. I think for Kevin Cooey and, and this team, I think it's it's not so much Kevin Cooey who misses Mark Kennedy. I think Ben Hebert needs Mark Kennedy. Ben Hebert mm-hmm. uh, did not have the greatest of nights tonight. He, he shot well, but in in terms of the sweeping and the line calls. You know, there was one shot. They were playing a freeze. They, they were calling him on for line. He didn't want to sweep on weight, and they almost missed it. They just barely got it there. He was yep. trailing behind the rock a bunch, seemingly trying to call line as a sweeper, which either shows that he doesn't have that much faith in B.J. Newfeld or he's just trying to do too much in a given moment. There was a really loud broom slam after John Epping scored two in nine, yeah. They didn't show who that was, but I would take a guess as to who that was. And th- mm. there's an, another one that there was a stone in play that hit him in the foot. It's a stone that probably would have gone out anyway. Yes. But, you know, he said, oh, that's 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 a rocket. That was out. flying. It yeah. wasn't flying out. Um, you know, it was probably out, but it wasn't flying out. There was just some little things there that, you know, Mark Kennedy really seemed to be able to keep Ben Hebert under control. I don't think Colton Flash and Ben Hebert have that same relationship. And this is something that I, I just think we should keep an eye on. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting observation, Sean. I, uh, I like your thinking there quite a bit. Quite a bit. I think uh, he is... He, he does get quite vocal, and he was pretty vocal with the strategy even tonight. And I think it was not to the benefit of the team, like you said. So, you know, uh, Ben is who Ben is. He's played with Koo for a while now, and they know each other, and they know, you know, Ben Ben and, and Kui know when, like, I think Kevin knows when to tell Ben, hey, shut up. Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, we'll, we'll see going forward if uh, if that remains, and yeah. we'll see it's, if it... it the, it's just hard when that's in the middle of a shot, and you're halfway down the ice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, we talked a lot about uh, what makes a good lead, right? And uh, right. part of it is, you know, knowing your role and shut your yeah. mouth. Yeah, and, and again, <laughs> he's... Par- paraphrase a... He's probably the best lead in the world still. Right, like, probably on on the men's side. I think there's a couple of women's leads that are probably better. Right. Okay. So on the men's side, he's probably the best lead in the world, and th- it doesn't diminish what he can contribute to the team. There are. It's just that there are moments here where that are coming up seemingly more frequently in the past two years, where there's been things that have 
seem to be detrimental to the team. And uh, it's it's part of the growing process. And there's there's going to be growing pains along the way. And they won. <laughs> they won last year, right? They, yeah. Uh, right. So like, it, it's not it's not been overly damaging to the team. It, it's just in these sort of tense moments where things aren't going great. You could probably get away with that with Mark Kennedy there, uh, so, and, with, something... and, and with Lang there too, for that matter. Whereas I'm not so sure with BJ and Colton that they have figured out that dynamic for when things are going poorly. Yeah, and I'd say Colton for sure is is sort of the the quietest of them, given given that coming into this team he was sort of the least accomplished. I want you know not that he was yeah. not accomplished, but least of these four players. So uh, so yeah, I think it, he maybe finds it hard to say to Ben, hey, like shut up, uh, it's not it's not what we do, right? Right? Because you know he's Ben Hebert. Yeah, he's he's really really great. He is. He's he's a great player. No, there's no doubt about that. So, uh, so yeah, I, the 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 video or the replay they showed of John Eppin when he scored the two and nine as they went to commercial, he was reacting to the broom slam. Oh, that that was what he was doing. Yes, I thought he, he was just like, oh boy, that was weird. No, I that, that was clear to me that he was reacting to a broom slam there. Okay, I did hear moment. the broom slam. Yeah. Yes, it was quite loud. Yes. So, uh, and I thought Ryan Fry just scored points. It can't be him. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. So John Epping gets that spot in the trials. He was rushing at the end. My goodness, uh, two teams that like to push the envelope when it comes to time at the end yes. of games. Uh, worked out for him. Gets the big win there. He gets the spot in Saskatoon in 2021. His first Canada Cup championship, as we said. So uh, a great game and really salvaged maybe the weekend for this event. Yeah, yeah, I think this was the game that salvaged it. Uh, you know, it still doesn't make up for yesterday being pretty boring. No, but uh, we won't have to wait long to see some of these teams again. Sean, did you know there's yeah. a Grand Slam this weekend? Yeah, there's a Grand Slam this weekend. Uh, so Crazy, everyone right? is heading off to St. John's, Newfoundland, Conception Bay, where the... Conception Bay South, Sean. Conception, Conception, Bay, South. Conception Bay South, where the next Grand Slam will take place. Which one is this, Scott? Uh, this is the Boost National. Ah, and yes. Hold on. It's not this week. It's uh, December 10th it starts. Oh, okay, right. Great. Good job by the Grand Slam occurring then. By, yeah, you you lied to me, man. You told me that you just wanted to make me look silly on the podcast. Well, last year it was the week after, so I just assumed they kept the same schedule. But good job by the Grand Slam by for moving it then. Yeah, bumped a week. Yeah, good job by them. Oh, you know what? That's great. We don't have to talk about it. Which is good because we need a break from these teams. I think. I think so. <laughs> um, so uh, another big piece of news came out this week uh, or today. The, that Curling Canada announced that the prize money is going to be equalized at all national championships, or, or at least the men's and women's national championships, I should say. The mixed teams aren't going to get the same amount of money. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> but the, the men's and women's teams will be uh, both playing for the same amount of money, a purse of $300,000 in each case, and uh, just over $100,000 to the winners. And, Scott, this is a major step forward for Curling Canada and for the athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we watched this 
It's an announcement this afternoon, and I, I I think it's like obviously the right thing to do. There's there's no reason why last year Chelsea Carey should have made less than half of what Kevin Cooey got for winning the national championship. We talk a lot about women's curling on this uh, podcast, and it's talked about a lot on others. It's sometimes more exciting to watch than the men's curling. Yeah, uh, I, I prefer the Scotties is my favorite event to like week long. Like I prefer the Scotties to the Briar ten times out of ten. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And it's just sort of uh, the games are a little more fun, a little more interesting. Uh, it's not as much a boom, boom, you know, Hulk smash, yeah. which, uh, makes the strategy more important in, yeah, and, in my and mind. The women's teams are not nearly as whiny as the men's teams are. <laughs> yeah. They, it like, almost never picks on that, yeah, right? The Nobody women never pick. Picks. Yeah. No, no, they, they never have a pick, but the men, everything is a pick. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, long overdue, but glad that it's getting done now, uh, for sure. And you know, it's a big pay raise on, like on both sides really yeah. it's a $300,000 purse uh, for both the men and the women yep. uh, up, up from years past. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're unsure as of right now, if there's like an extra sponsorship that uh, curling Canada has gotten, if they're getting more money from TSN for these broadcast rights, uh, who's making up the difference, who knows, but uh, it's uh, long overdue and well done curling Canada. Yeah, and in addition to the three hundred thousand dollars purse, the winning teams also get that Sport Canada funding of one hundred seventy thousand dollars over two years. So if you put it all together, you're looking at a payday from the purse, the cresting money that goes with that as well, the Sport Canada money for winning this event. You're looking at yourself around three hundred thousand dollars over a couple of years, which is a really big deal, right? That can fund a team for a while. So. Uh, the financial benefits of winning are starting to catch up to the prestige benefits of winning. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, oh, we uh, we just won the national championship and we're going back to our job as a bricklayer right. or something, you know. Uh, I think those, those days are gone, which is too bad because it's kind of nice to have regular people. You know, have a chance to win a national ch- championship, and there's still the chance, but you got to put in a little more effort than you maybe used to. Yeah, and I think too, it's it's an acknowledgement that Canada is competing with countries that have full-time curlers, and while that may not be viable for the number of curlers who are world-class in this country to be able to fund all of them to be full full-time curlers, having the top, top teams have a little more financial freedom to focus on curling that can only help the country in terms of world championships. And of course the big prize being the Olympic games. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the last Olympics curling Canada took a look in the mirror, you know, and thought, what do we need to do? And this is a step in the right direction. No question. So, uh, so a good announcement there. Good job by curling Canada. And, uh, that, Pretty much does it, I think, there for the Canada Cup, Scott. Uh, what are your overall Sean, impressions? Oh, am I missing something? Well, well, I, I was just wondering if uh, because the players are getting paid more money, do do, do we do we get paid more money for yes, for doing dub- this spot? We're doubling our salary. <laughs> All right, uh, no question. Uh, of course, because doubling zero is still zero. Yeah. Right on, Sean. Uh, way to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so uh, overall for the event, overall yeah. for the event, I think. 
it was the first event with these rocks. It was a bit sloppy at times. Uh, I think the weekend was defined more by mistakes than it was by great shots. Yes. So overall, I'm taking out of this event, like, you know, these teams, they're not, they're not in their prime of their cycle for the Olympics. You know, they're, they're still in sort of the tune up mode. That's what I'll take away. Yeah, I think that's fair, and, and it's given us some stuff to think about in terms of the provincial playdowns coming up. Uh, we have a sense of who's firing all cylinders, who's trending up, who's trending down. You know, mm. Before this week, John Epping was trending down, though, so you can't take too much away from that. Uh, but it seemed like Matt Dunstone started off the season really solid, had the, of course, Grand Slam win, struggled in the past month or so. So as we move forward to the provincial season, just – It'll be fun to see how these teams can rebound, uh, you know, with the Grand Slam in a couple of weeks and the rest of the Cashfield season, which is almost over. Yeah, almost over. I, I'm looking forward to Manitoba Provincials and the women's side uh, with with Jennifer Jones, Carrie Anderson, and Tracy Flurry uh, all in the mix. Yes, that'll be a I lot. Think that'll of fun. be good. Yeah, for yep. sure. Um, so, Scott, we, we talked this afternoon when we were watching the women's game together. We weren't sure if we would get a Vic essay for the Canada Cup, and we did get a Vic essay. We did get a Vic essay. I was very it wasn't excited. His, it wasn't his best, I'd say. It, it could have been a little better, but I understood what he was going for. It's the start of the cycle. You know, you don't want to get too crazy into it. Yeah, yeah. There was no talk about... Uh... Oh, they do it for love of the game or anything like that. Right. So because we weren't sure if we were going to get one, I wrote one. Oh, boy. I'm excited. I wrote a Vic essay that I thought could fit with what he would do. All right. Uh, Are you going to put music in uh, underneath or what? I I don't know where to find that music. Okay. So we'll just uh, I'll be quiet. Yeah. Imagine the Vic essay music is going with still photographs of the players awesome all right ready oh yeah okay 14 teams made their way to Leduc, alberto with a goal to secure a coveted spot in the olympic curling trials over five days of competition we were treated to some outstanding curling and while these world-class athletes put on a show on the ice we also saw how they are world-class people off the ice whether they won or lost, they showed us what we love about our great game, the people. At the end of the week, only two could stand tall. Congratulations to Rachel Homan and John Epping, who we will see in Saskatoon in 2021, as we decide who will represent our country in Beijing. In the meantime, we look forward to our next stop on the season of champions in Langley, British Columbia, where the next generation of Canada Cup champions will be on full display. And we can't wait. Now, Scott, when I wrote that, I forgot about the Continental Cup. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, you missed one, but pretty close. So I, I forgot about the Continental Cup, but you know, it works better with the, the next generation tie-in. So, uh, so that's what I did. So what do you think? I like this, Sean. This is going to be a feature from now on <laughs> at the end of events. We want you to read your essay. <laughs> the Vic essay. I want I want you to do it for the uh, Grand Slams too. <laughs> All right, I, I'll see what I can come up with. We'll have to find that music though. I like it. Yeah, we'll we we'll do that. In. Okay. Um, so there you go. So those are my thoughts in my Vic mode of the week. <laughs> I, I I just like having TSN 
events. I, I, I prefer the season of champion stuff to the Grand Slams for a bunch of different reasons, uh, not least of which is the broadcast. Broadcast may not have been the strongest this week, some unforced errors, if you will, on the broadcast, but it's just such a well-put-together, refined show that mm-hmm. with respect to the folks on Sportsnet, they're not quite there. Yeah, and I think the the product is a little bit better for the TSN events too. You know, you've got when you've got the provincial colors, you know, the jerseys that everyone was wearing this weekend were their sort of Canada curling Canada event jerseys with select sponsor logos on them. Uh it, yeah, I I think uh when you're on the in the Grand Slam and it's just like who's against who? I uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh it's and you're switching back and forth. I like the sheet to sheet because you get to keep a bit a uh, bit of an eye on everything but i'm a bit like that uh you know i like watching the red zone for football right. and stuff so uh but but I'll, I'll agree there's something calming about listening to to vic on the broadcast you know just you just sort of feel like ah it's curling season that's right so it's it means mm-hmm. it's cold outside and we could just sit in and watch curling and it's a beautiful thing absolutely so as they said on the broadcast the next stop for tsn will be at the continental cup in london in five weeks time in 2020 as the calendar turns so uh, we'll definitely look forward to that the next stop for us will be there in conception bay we're not going to conception bay south but uh, we'll in terms of talking about curling that's the next big event on the curling calendar scott yeah, so we'll do uh, record that up and uh, get it posted before the event starts, right? We will. So uh, thank you, everybody, for following along with us this week. Uh, it's been a lot of fun doing these daily shows. Uh, I, I certainly have enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a couple late nights, but, you know, at least it wasn't in British Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm really ha- happy in retrospect I took those two days off Thursday and Friday, so... Yeah, it was great planning on my part, right? Yeah, good job by you. <laughs> um, so, so thanks again, everybody. We'll be back with you, I think, over the weekend. Well, we'll drop a bit of a preview of the national there out in uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, and we'll be very excited to talk about the teams. Uh, probably, maybe even more excited to talk about the teams that weren't there at the Canada Cup this weekend as we get back into the Grand slam schedule so if you have not yet please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast do the like and the ratings and the comments all that fun stuff that helps keep the show going you can follow us on twitter and instagram at game of stones pod scott's on those things at scott lakes tv and i'm on twitter at dr shawnee fever and you can of course always email the show at game of stones podcast at gmail.com and check out the website game of stones pod.com for all the latest updates on what we have going on so, Scott, have fun yep. at work tomorrow. You too, man. And uh, we'll talk to you later in the week, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.